Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Planning Commission hearing for Thursday, December 1st. Difficult to believe. I'll remind everyone now to silence their mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. Um, to enable public participation, SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available by calling 415-655-0001 and entering access code 2488-892-5464. Additionally, you may join us via the WebEx link provided on the agenda. We will take public comment from those persons in City Hall first and then open up the remote access line. Please speak clearly and slowly, and if you care to, state your name for the record. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes, and when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, when we reach the item you are interested in speaking to, please press star three to be added to the queue, or if you're on WebEx, raise your hand. When you hear that your line has been unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and please mute the volume on your television or computer. For those persons attending in City Hall, please come forward and line up on the screen side of the room. Finally, I'll again ask that we all silence our mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And at this time, I will take roll. Commission President Tanner. Here. Commission Vice President Moore. Here. Commissioner Braun. Here. Commissioner Diamond. Here. Commissioner Imperial. Here. Commissioner Koppel. Here. We expect Commissioner Ruiz to be absent today. Commissioners, first on your agenda is consideration of items proposed for continuance. Item one, case number 2020-005491, ENV for the 2022 Hotel Conversion Ordinance Amendments. This is a preliminary negative declaration appeal, and it is a pro proposed to be continued to January 26, 2023. Further, commissioners, under your discretionary review calendar, I am pleased to inform you that item 15 for case number 2021-006673 DRP at 88 Winfield Street, the discretionary review has been withdrawn. So it looks like- Winfield, uh, I almost called it Wins Lewinslow Street, but it's Winfield Street. Um, that the, the Okay, there's we'll take a public comment on the items proposed to be <laughs> at this time. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, didn't mean to jump over you. I'm so sorry. I apologize. It's the rain. You know, it's December and everybody, it's raining. There... Everybody's getting antsy these I days. Know, so. I know, I okay. know. Thank God it's raining. Okay, you'll have, you have three minutes, Ms. Oh, Peter. I'll just take a minute. Okay, fantastic. Um, I saw the withdrawal, but in the packet, the huge packet, I'm making him laugh, the huge packet, which is like 1,200 pages, but like 110 pages from the end, is a uh, letter that was sent to Mr. Winslow from the DR requester. And I think it's really important. It's in the supporting documents correspondence. And I think it's a really good autopsy of, um, and a case Shudis, study. Shudis, I'm going I'm to interrupt no, you I'm just, just gonna beca say, because we're only taking public comment on I know, the matter I'm just of continuance. Finish. I know. I think, I hope okay. the commissioners get to read it because it wasn't, it was just addressed to Mr. Winslow, but I think it's be good for the commissioners to read to understand why the public wants DR. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, last call for public comment on the continuance calendar. Again, only on the matter of continuance. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed and your continuance calendar is before you. Commissioner Imperial. 
Move to continue item as proposed. Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion. Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commission President Tanner? Aye. So move, commissioners, that motion passes unanimously six to zero. And we'll place this under your consent calendar. All matters listed here under constituted consent calendar are considered to be routine by the Planning Commission and may be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the Commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the Commission, the public, or staff so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item at this or a future hearing. Item 2, case number 2021-011595, CUA 333. Dolores Street, a conditional use authorization. Item three, case number 2022-003067, CUA 245 Valencia Street, a conditional use authorization. Item four, case number 2022-000346, CUA 428 15th Avenue, a conditional use authorization. And item five, case number 2022-007603, CUA at 944 Irving Street, a conditional use authorization. I will note, commissioners, and call to your attention that I believe you received some late amendments to both items three and four on your consent calendar. So those motions and modifications should be under consideration when you consider your consent calendar. At this time, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to request that any of these items be removed from the consent calendar and considered later today. Pardon me for my, uh, anyway, I would, the a question about the 15th Avenue, uh, was that pulled from the consent calendar yet? It has not yet been pulled well, off of I would like to request that it be pulled. There, there you have it. Thank you. Okay. So item four for 15th Avenue will be pulled off of consent and considered later today at the end or the beginning? Uh, let's hear it at the end. Hopefully at we'll the be end? Very good. concise today. That'll be heard at the end of today's agenda. Yes, sir. 15th Avenue as well? Yeah. Okay. So we'll take up that matter later today. Oh, so, yeah, I'm, unf I'm unfamiliar with all the rules and regulations here, so that's why I'm trying to get clarification. So you guys are going to deal with it at a later time today. We're going to hear it at the end of today's agenda. Okay, yes. great. Thank okay. you very much. Okay, last call for public comment or to request that any of the other items yeah. be removed from consent. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, Public comment on your consent calendar is closed. Item four has been pulled off, so you have remaining before you items two, three, and five. Mr. Moore? No, I, I pulled. Mr. Imperial? Move to approve items two, three, and five. Second. Thank you, commissioners. On that motion, then, to approve uh, items two, three, and five on your consent calendar, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commission President Tanner? Aye. So moved, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously six to zero and places under Commission Matters item six, the land acknowledgement. I'm going to be reading the land acknowledgement today. Uh, the Planning Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytushaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. 
we wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatushaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Thank you, Commissioner Brown. Item seven, consideration of adoption draft minutes for November 10th and November 17th, 2022. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on the minutes. You need to come forward if you're in the chambers or join us via WebEx or raise your hand by pressing star three on the phone. Seeing no request to speak from members of the public, public comment is closed and the minutes are now before you, commissioners. Commissioner Imperial. Move to adopt the minutes. Second. Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to adopt the minutes. Commissioner Braun. Aye. Commissioner Diamond. Aye. Commissioner Imperial. Aye. Commissioner Koppel. Aye. Commissioner Moore. Aye. And Commission President Tanner. Aye. So moved, commissioners. That motion passes unanimously six to zero and will place us on item eight, commission comments and questions. Any comments or questions, commissioners? Not okay. seeing any. Thank you. Seeing no request to speak, we can move on to department matters. Item nine, director's announcements. Good afternoon, commissioners. Just an update on the housing element schedule. So we have obviously been working to address comments from HCD, the Board of Supervisors, you all uh, at the last hearing, as well as the public. We've, we've gotten a significant final comments from the public as well. Um, so it's been, been a fairly hectic time. We will be back before you next week on the 8th for an informational hearing. You, you won't get a date detailed packet before then about those changes because we're working on changes to, to get to you on the 8th so you can adopt on the 15th. But we'll try to get you, you know, a summary of changes and then the changes on the, on the 8th and we'll walk through those changes on the 8th. So that's the calendar we'll be looking for uh, any any changes you want to make on the 15th and then adoption on the 15th. Thank you. I would just ask if whatever does come forward on the 8th, um, if you can highlight the changes, that's very, very helpful. Yes, it'll all, be, it'll all be redlined. Okay, if there's nothing further, commissioners, we can move on to item 10, review of past week's events at the Board of Supervisors. There is no report from the Board of Appeals or the Historic Preservation Commission. Good afternoon, <clears throat> Commissioner Zarin Starr, Manager of Legislative Affairs. Uh, this week, the Land Use Committee uh, took up the Mayor's Automobile Uses Housing Density Ordinance, which was on the docket. Unfortunately, uh, due to a noticing error, the item had to be continued. Um, however, it should be back on Monday. The committee um, was also able to hear the safety and resilience element this week. Commissioners, you heard this item on September 29th and recommended approval. Emery Rogers and Danielle Nyo presented um, at the committee. Uh, at the committee, um, There was only one public commenter after which the committee forwarded the ordinance to the full board with a positive recommendation. And then this week at the full board, the Turk and Taylor Street intersection landmark designation passed its second read. <coughs> and Supervisor Safai's um, overnight parking and cannabis retail uses ordinance passed its first read. And that's all I have for you today. Okay, if there are no questions for Mr. Starr, we can move on to general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, except agenda items. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity to address the commission will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. Each member of the public 
May I address the Commission for up to three minutes, and when the number of speakers exceed the 15-minute limit, general public comment may be moved to the end of the agenda. Good afternoon, Georgia Shudish again. Um, on Tuesday, I sent the Commission and staff uh, an email with some photos of a, of a project in Noe Valley and a letter from the DR requester at the time from the hearing in 2017. I think only three of you who are up there now were here for that hearing. And um, um, the House is still sitting empty. And the letter from the DR requester said it all, as did the pictures. So what I want to add to that is um, going back to why this probably happened. And I think it has to do with the loophole in the demo calcs, because those calcs were extremely, extremely close. And um, perhaps if the demo calcs had been closed, that loophole had been closed sometime between 2009 and 2017 when that project was heard, then it may have been a different outcome, because I know the Commission struggled with that project. Um, as I have said before, um, the intent of Section 317 uh, was not to have projects like that. That was the intended. Um, and that's why 317B2D, I think, was put in there so the Commission and the staff at some point and the public could find a sweet spot of how to do an alteration without it veering into a demolition. Um, so what I want to talk about today are the different scenarios with how the Commission can use their legislative authority to adjust the demo calcs. And that's in this letter that I've attached. And I just want to remind the Commission, please, that uh, prior to the demonstrably unaffordable clause for the RH1 zone neighborhoods being eliminated from the code, the zoning administrator adjusted the values in the RH1 five times in order to deal with the uh, rapid escalation in the housing prices throughout the city, not just Noe Valley, which has been declared the epicenter of de facto demolition by the staff. If the Commission had used the legislative authority that they, they have in conjunction with the ZAs adjusting the values, that that seems like that would have been a good idea in concert to do that, and more housing could have been preserved, including residential flats that are more affordable, relatively affordable. Finally, attached to this letter is a um, 2000 decision from the California Court of Appeal. And it's uh, not a published decision, but it's very logical. And um, it's particularly logical with regard to de facto demolition and affordable housing. And those are all issues which, as you know, as you deal with the housing element, are inescapable and urgent for right now. So here's my letter with the attachments. And here's for the minutes. And here's for Mr. Ion. And, and if you could please send one to Commissioner Ruiz. Thank you all very much. Okay, last call for general public comment. Again, if you're in the chambers, you need to come forward. And if you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, general public comment is closed, and we can move on to your regular calendar for item 11. Case number 2022-009701 PCA for the grocery stores in Polk Street Neighborhood Commercial District Planning Code Amendment. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Veronica Flores, Planning Department staff. 
The item before you is an ordinance regarding the replacement of a legacy general grocery use with a subsequent general grocery use in excess of 4,000 square feet in the Polk Street Neighborhood Commercial District. Um, this ordinance was introduced by Supervisor Peskin. The ordinance would essentially allow three things. The first is to allow the expansion of an existing general grocery use, replacing a legacy business general grocery use to exceed 4,000 square feet. The second, um, second item would allow a storefront merger of a general grocery if it is related to replacing a legacy business general grocery, only if the expansion is into a building on the same lot. And lastly, the ordinance would remove the conditional use authorization requirement if replacing a legacy business general grocery with a general grocery use, only if the existing general grocery is expanded into a building on the same lot again. Um, by right is currently operating out of the former Real Foods Company, and this ordinance would be able to allow them to expand at the adjacent storefront um, the commercial space is located at 2140 Polk Street. Um, Byright has entered into a long-term lease, long-term agreement with the property owner and is looking to merge the two storefronts, which they are unable to do right now under the current Polk Street Neighborhood Commercial District controls. So the three amendments I had outlined earlier will allow Byright to expand into the adjacent, um, adjacent vacant storefront, which was formerly um, a hair salon. The planning department has received one letter of support from Mr. Sam Moganum, the owner of Byright, and in the letter he emphasized the goal of really retaining and expanding a general grocery within the neighborhood. Mr. Moganum also shared Byright helped incubate programs um, specifically designed to increase food security within San Francisco and the greater Bay Area. I believe Mr. Moganum is, is available today to answer any specific questions. Um, the um, department recognizes the importance of general grocery uses within our neighborhoods and in efforts to further support general groceries. The department recommends the commission approve the proposed ordinance with the following modifications. Um, the first recommended modification is to principally permit general grocery uses up to 5,000 square feet in all neighborhood commercial districts. Currently, non-residential use size limits vary depending on the given neighborhood commercial district or the zoning district, but the need for general groceries is still the same. It's universal, so the department believes 5,000 square feet is an appropriate size to principally permit um, general groceries. The second recommended modification is to allow storefront mergers for all proposed general grocery uses up to the 5,000 square feet I had just mentioned. And this recommendation removes another barrier for um, the potential grocery stores that may want to open up or expand. And lastly, the um, third recommended modification is to eliminate the conditional use authorization requirement for removing a legacy business general grocery if it is to be replaced by another general grocery. So whether a general grocery is a legacy business or not, the use is still the same. And the idea here is if a general grocery is going to replace a legacy business general grocery, they should not need to request a conditional use authorization. 
And I do want to highlight that Real Foods Company did close their business out of their own accord, This um, a decision they made on their own. So the conditional use authorization is not actually triggered here for BuyRight to operate at 2140 Polk Street. Um, BuyRight is already um, running the business at the premises and um, if the ordinance were to go through, they will close the store for approximately one or two weeks in order to merge two storefronts and do a deep clean, but um, the intent is to minimize the closures for the grocery in, on, um, on Polk Street. Um, the supervisor's office has shared they are inclined in incorporating the first two recommended modifications regarding the use size and storefront mergers. Miss um, Sunny Angulo um, was supposed to join us today. I just learned that she is um, actually out sick today, but I did want to um, emphasize that they're supporting the first two recommended modifications. And um, she did request that I also highlight for you there will be a substitute ordinance to include the section 302 findings within the ordinance, and um, I will also allow the city attorney to fill in any additional details there as needed. But this concludes the staff presentation, and I am available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission. Uh, you need to come forward or press star three or raise your hand. What do I press? What's that? You said I press press start. That's for the people who are oh, calling oh, in remotely. I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. I was like, that's there's fine. no button. You can raise your hand though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, Go ahead, sir. You're good. Sorry. Um, thank you for taking the time to uh, um, uh, consider this. Um, I did want to make a couple of clarifications. We have not yet taken over um, the Real Foods location. Um, it is still currently being operated by the, um, the current owner of Real Foods. Um, and, and then the other clarification I would like to make is that we also are um, a legacy business. So it would be a legacy business replacing a legacy business. And so, so there would be no loss of uh, um, a legacy business in San Francisco. Um, I want to just uh, throw this. Does this thing work? Oh, yeah. So just so you get a sense of scale, the, the current Real Foods site is um, 35 feet wide, and the um, hair salon, which is 14 feet wide, is the space that we would like to expand into. Um, uh, it, the, and the current, the current actual market itself has been operating in a, uh, in a space that ha is in excess of the 39.99 square foot um, since 1990, they actually um, got a, um, a permit back in 1990 to um, expand into the lot behind it. Um, and so it's currently operating at around 8,200 square feet. So the expansion into this space would move us up to around 9,600, 9,800 square feet. Um, so it's already, it's already in excess of the, of the size, but it's just the merging of the two storefronts is that what we're, what we're, uh, what we're after. And I can show you some diagrams about, around that as well, if you'd like. Here is the existing I'm store. I'm sorry, sir. You need to speak. I'm sorry. This space, this space here is the existing store, and all of this is the support area in the back. This is the property line, um, and this is lot 18, and this is lot 18A. Um, 
This is the salon, which is the, um, the, um, the, space, the 14 foot space that we would like to expand into. And then there's an additional 500 square feet um, that's in the lot next to us that we would also like to expand into just to be able to relocate all of the refuse um, just so we can maintain a more sanitary um, condition for the grocery store. We're excited about um, the potential that, that um, we have at, uh, on Polk Street. And um, you know, my family has been operating by right in San Francisco uh, for almost 60 years, and it's been under my direction for 25. Um, and we've been really intentional about the communities that we look to move into and, and um, look at them as very long-term, very impactful um, opportunities. And I and, uh, think that we can actually benefit the neighborhood and benefit the rest of the commercial corridor in a significant way and uh, are hoping that you would support the project for us. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Um, any other members of the public wishing to speak to this matter? Again, you need to come forward. Press star three or raise your hand. Seeing no additional requests to speak, Commissioner's public comment is closed. And this uh, planning code amendment is now before you. Commissioner Moore. Uh, without speaking with conflict of interest, I frequent uh, the store. It is in my neighborhood, and I'm delighted to see it being replaced. Uh, the uh, current store has been around forever and is a, really an anchor and sta uh, staple of the neighborhood. So I'm delighted to support it and look forward to frequenting the new facility. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Diamond. Yes, I just had one question. Um, the owner of the store just made a comment about expansion into the refuse area, um, the garbage area that was in pink. Is that, which is not part of the, uh, hair, the salon, is it part of property you already own? What is the pink area that was shown? The, the pink the pink area is is um, an, a property that is owned by the same landlord, so it's all one landlord. Um, and in the past, the pink area and the and the rest of that um, ground floor um, basement space was part of um, was being also being used by the um, the family back when they had um, the plumbing company and extended all the way into lot 18. Um, and so all of that space was actually used as one space in uh, his, historically. We will seek a separate permit for that. It's not it's not part of this, but we just wanted to I wanted to share with you the scope of what we were what we were what we were doing um, and the improvements that we wanted to make really are around um, improving the, the safety and the sanitation of the space as it actually is in pretty, pretty, pretty dire need of it. Okay, Th thank you. Uh, Follow-up question for staff. So that pink area is not part of this motion, is that correct? Correct. This proposed ordinance only pertains to expansions within the same building on the same lot, so the adjacent um, former hair salon. Right. So whether or not they get approval or need approval for the pink area, this is an independent action? Correct. Okay. Thank you. I didn't see the pink area identified in the motion, so I found that a little confusing. So, okay. So that's not on the agenda. Thank you. Commissioner Moore? Ms. Froese, would you be able to shed a little bit more light in the absence of Ms. Agulo not being here? Why is a supervisor not uh, supporting the modifications for point three? 
Um, yes, so in speaking with the supervisor's office, they support the first two, but they're, um, they did have some concerns regarding eliminating the conditional use authorization requirement, and um, the primary concern was related to if a formula retail um, use were to come in, there is not currently a formula retail ban on within the Polk Street okay. NCD. Um, I did explain that the formula retail controls would still apply, so the um, if there is a proposed formula retail use, they would still appear in front of you um, through a conditional use authorization. There would still be a public hearing related to it, um, but they were primarily concerned with formula retail uses. What once you explain that there is an extra protection for formula retail, they still want to maintain a CU for just in case. Um, so we unfortunately were not able to finish the rest of that conversation. Um, unfortunately, Ms. Angulo is um, out sick today, so we weren't able to um, get to that final point. But um, as I explained it, she said that makes sense and it's clear but I did not get the um, final official green light for support on that last one. But I imagine with that um, um, additional explanation and emphasis that they would be, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay, uh, thank you for explaining that. I personally would uh, like to hear from the supervisor. I only would like, like to remind those commissioners who were on this commission that a few years ago we had an absolutely outrageous battle about uh, designer, uh, whole, uh, uh, designer Amazon trying to take over the former Lombardi sports store, which is now slated to be uh, become a Molly Stones, from what I understand. That has not yet happened. But I do, would not want any of us, including the department, to be subjected to anything similar to that. Uh, so I will withhold my support of the department's modification for that one item letting you and the board, the board of Supervisors work it out. I mean, I mean, uh, Supervisor Pest can work it out. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Imperial? Yeah. Um, thank you, Commissioner Moore. My, actually, my question was regarding on that as well. Um, but I'm generally supportive of the legislation itself and also some of the modifications of the, um, of the planning department as well. I believe in the item number three as what Commissioner Moore. Um, I, I would also add in terms of if eliminating CUA for um, for this legislate uh, for the legacy business to general grocery use, um, that they would we would should also incorporate a racial social equity aspect if, into it. Uh, something to be in, cons in consideration with the supervisor's Peskin's office as well. But in general, I'm very supportive of this legislation. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Brown. Um, yes, I'll, I'll just say, I mean, when it comes to the modifications that were proposed, I, I support them. If, if the third modification uh, is up for some debate, um, I think I'm, I'm okay with um, not approving that third modification today. But um, regardless, I, I do want to kind of speak to a larger point that was raised in the, uh, in the packet that referred to the possible need to restudy the neighborhood commercial district's controls more broadly and more generally. Uh, I'm curious if there is any, if, if that is proceeding in any way or what the current thinking might be on that from Director Hillis or, or staff. Yeah, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Too big. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think we, it's, in, it's not currently in our, you know, work program to look at that. I mean, certainly when 
you know, we, as part of the housing element, we'll, we'll look at commercial corridors on the west side of the city and we'll take that into account to the, the controls on the ground floor for retail, but it's not, it's not in our work program to look at kind of the, the corridors in, in what's controlled now. I mean, there was Prop H, right, with Prop H, that passed recently. I get my I get my props confused after week after after a time, but that did streamline, you know, in in kind of try to try to regularize what what the controls are on commercial corridors throughout the city. So I think that was helpful. Um, so no, but but the answer. I mean, the short answer. It's not in our work program except where we're doing rezoning associated with the housing element. Okay. Yeah. So I, I just think my point is, you know, I, I take the point of what was raised in this item that. You know, if an exception is needing to be carved out for this pretty reasonable uh, and modest uh, neighborhood need, uh, replacing this legacy grocery with another grocery business, in this case, another legacy grocery business, um, that, you know, I imagine there are a lot of, a lot of little issues in the planning code that we might need to kind of look at. And so I do encourage that process to continue moving forward, I think. Um, but otherwise, yeah, as far as what's before us today, I'm, I'm supportive. Great. I'm also supportive of the okay. I was just going to address one more point on that. When when Prop H was adopted by the voters, North Beach was carved out of that. So part of the part of that issue that we have here is it did it didn't you know those those changes that were take took effect in other commercial corridors didn't necessarily uh, apply to North Beach. Was it? Oh, this was is all Street, though. Yeah, yeah, the, this was, is was this area carved out as well? No. So this one included. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank Supervisor Peskin and his staff um, for bringing this legislation forward, and hopefully Ms. Angulo feels better soon, and um, she may be even watching uh, still, even if she's recovering. So I'm glad to see this legislation. Thank you so much um, to Byright for expanding. It's really great to see our legacy business is thriving and continuing to grow. I think my only comment... Um, would be, I do support the staff modifications in particular. I don't know that CUs are the best way to keep things um, because businesses are, are coming and going of their own accord of which real estate and leasing is only part of what keeps them in the city. And so I'm not sure that a CU control is the best um, remedy for helping legacy business stays. I think some of our programs through OEWD to support the businesses financially and help them to be maintain competitiveness um, overall are more helpful towards uh, retaining the businesses. And again, with the controls already for formula retail, um, really what we're going to see are smaller grocers, independent grocers who are opening, which is a pretty small margin business. Um, and so um, helping those folks have places to go um, of the right size seems important. Ms. Flores, I don't know if you could shed any light on the 5,000 square feet. Uh, is there any reason why that's like the appropriate size? Is that what we're seeing from existing grocers? Just a nice round number? What what makes that a good size um, um, limit? Yes. Um, thank you, President Tanner. So that size really first stemmed out of the proposal um, specifically for buy right that we're looking at. But once taking a closer look, it, um, it was around... Um, the average sizes that we were seeing and not exorbitantly large for the use. So we felt it was an appropriate size, especially when considering the different neighborhoods and um, really just to make sure neighborhoods have more than just um, a small corner store or a small bodega um, in the area. So that's really where we had landed. Absolutely. So I, I'm definitely supportive and I think I would say I hope we see more legislation like this. I think one of the challenges that for this this legislation is that it's legislation that really is precipitated by one project 
which is not really how we want to do our land use controls in our zoning. We don't want to have one project that needs to have legislation in order to come in. We want to see lots of businesses being able to come and go as needed and be able to thrive without having to come to planning commission and get certain special legislation passed. So I hope we see more loosening of some of our restrictions instead of trying to curate really, really tightly that we're able to see um, more openness to have more spaces for more small businesses to locate and thrive in our commercial corridors. So I'm very supportive of this. As you see Commissioner Moore and Commissioner Diamond, no. do both have additional questions or comments? Commissioner Diamond. So um, the answer on formula retail uh, that staff provided uh, was satisfactory to me. So I would like to move to approve the project uh, with all three of the modifications. Second. I'm sorry, Commissioner Diamond. Was that all three modifications? All so, three modifications. Very good. On that motion, then, commissioners, uh, to approve the proposed amendments with all three of staff's modifications. Commissioner Braun? Aye. It was aye? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, commissioners. That motion passes unanimously six to zero. Place this on item 12 for case number 2022-008199 GPR for 200 Folsom Street, also known as Transbay Block 2. This is a general plan conformity findings. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Matt Snyder of department staff. Uh, before you today are general plan consistency findings for amendments to, re to the redevelopment plan for the Transbay redevelopment project area. These amendments are being proposed specifically to enable a development project on Transbay Block 2 or 200 Folsom Streets, one of the last projects um, in Zone 1 of the Transbay project area. Thanks. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but uh, Commissioner Diamond, you had a disclosure to make. Yes, I wanted to disclose that I noticed that uh, Mercy Housing California is the project sponsor of the uh, East Project. I am a former board member of Mercy Housing California. My board term ended five years ago, and I do not believe that that prior affiliation will have any ability, uh, any impact on my ability to be impartial in the deliberations and vote. Thanks. Next slide. Uh, for today's presentation, I'm going to provide you a quick context uh, of the amendments and then specifically address what is before you and staff's recommendation. I will then turn it over to Kim Obstfeld of the Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure, or OCII, who will provide further information on the background of the Transbay Block 2 project itself and its role in fulfilling the Transbay Redevelopment Plan. Uh, finally, Owen Kennerly, one of the architects on behalf of the project sponsor, will walk through um, the actual designs of the proposed project for you. Transbay, uh, just a real quick context, Transbay Block 2 is located in Zone 1 of the Transbay Redevelopment Project area. As a quick reminder, Transbay, uh, the Transbay Redevelopment Project is composed of two zones. Zone 2, uh, the Planning Department and the Planning Code um, has jurisdiction and entitlements for entitlements and land use. In Zone 1, as their role in as the assessor agency to the San Francisco Redevelopment Agency, OCII um, has jurisdiction over the land use and entitlements along with its commission. 
Um, and in fact, um, the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure did approve this project a month ago at their November 1 um, regular meeting. Um, the actions that they took included uh, making CEQA findings, um, approving the amendments to the redevelopment plan of which the consistency findings are now before you, amendments to the Transbay Development Controls and Design Guidelines, which acts as their planning code, and the schematic design approval of the two buildings that are associated with the project, that make up of the project. So what is before you most specifically are making general plan consistency findings for the amendments to the Transbay Redevelopment Project Plan, and it's actually only one amendment, though an important one. Um, and so the amendment is to enable a great, greater massing above 85 feet, and specifically uh, the floor plates um, at, a, at the height between 85 and 144 feet, increasing that, uh, that limit from 7,500 square feet to 11,100 square feet, and then from the portion of the building between 144 feet in height and the, to the maximum height of 165 feet, increasing it from 7,500 square feet to 11,100, excuse me, to 9,200 square feet. And in this next graphic, uh, this just provides you uh, a, a 3D um, rendering of, of what that difference means. Uh, the, uh, the graphic on the left showing the entire project, including both the east and the west building, as it, uh, as it would be enabled um, by existing controls. And on, um, on, on, the, excuse me, on, the, um, on the right side, uh, the proposed building of its current massing uh, with the additional uh, floor plates uh, permitted um, with the redevelopment plan amendments. So staff uh, did a thorough analysis of the proposed amendments. We both looked at the increased floor plate sizes and what, what it meant for different um, policies and objectives from the general plan that, is, that are specifically associated with urban design and the size of buildings and how it relates to the other buildings. But then we also looked, we also took into consideration that these increases enabled the project in its entirety. So we looked at the general plan, uh, we, looked, we measured the entire project against the general plan and found it uh, consistent with other elements um, such as the uh, recreation and open space element, again, the urban design element, and perhaps most importantly, the housing element as it's gonna provide 335 affordable housing units in downtown. Planning staff uh, is recommending that you do find the redevelopment plan amendments consistent with the general plan. Making such findings will enable the project, which in turn will, one, create 335 much needed senior and family affordable units to the housing, to the city's housing stock. Two, that these units will be located downtown in a transit and amenity rich location. Um, number three, the project is well designed with particular attention given to the ground plane and the public realm, as well as how it has broken up the mass and the upper portions of the building. Um, the project will, in, will include streetscape improvements that will help fulfill the overall public realm vision of Transbay and downtown. The project has been approved by the transit, the tran, excuse me, not the transit, the Transbay um, uh, Community Advisory Committee, and again the community of, uh, excuse me, the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure. Uh, finally, the project will help fulfill the goals of the Transbay Redevelopment Project, uh, particularly its goals of assuring that 35% of the units created within the Transbay area um, are affordable. Commissioners, this concludes my presentation. I will uh, hand it over to Kim Obstfeld of OCII to provide further details on the, on the project itself. Thank you.
Good afternoon, members of the commission. I'm Kim Obstfeld, a senior development specialist on the housing team at OCII. Really happy to be here with you this evening to discuss the proposed project at Transbay Block 2. I'll provide a brief background, um, an, e an overview of key aspects of the Transbay Block 2 program and the environmental revi review findings. And then the project sponsor and the architect is here with us and we'll walk you through the designs. Next slide, please. As Matt mentioned, Block 2 is one of the few remaining development blocks in Zone 1 of the Transbay project area. Uh, the proposed project on this site will further our implementation of the redevelopment plan, goals, and objectives, including contributing to the envisioned mixed-use, mixed-income neighborhood, and providing affordable housing that's critical to meeting our obligation to provide 35% affordability in the project area. OCII sought a development team for Block 2 through a competitive request for proposals or RFP process in 2020 and has since been working with the team to develop the program, financing plan, and design. The OCII Commission and Transbay Citizens Advisory Committee, or CAC, have been informed at key milestones. Both are very supportive of the project and, as Matt mentioned, recently approved actions to entitle the project. Next slide, please. The Block 2 site will be developed with two distinct and individually financed owned and operated buildings, which we refer to as 2 West and 2 East. Uh, that said, design and construction has been and will continue to be highly coordinated with uh, key design scopes working on both buildings and selection of a single general contractor. The 2 West project will serve low-income senior households with a portion of those units set aside for formerly homeless seniors. It's sponsored by Chinatown Community Development Center and Methune is the lead architect. The 2 East project will serve low-income families and formerly homeless families. Mercy Housing is the sponsor and Kennerly Architecture and Planning is the lead architect. Next slide. Overall, Block 2 will provide 335 residential rental units with 151 senior units on 2 West and 184 family units on 2 East. On 2 West, affordability levels will range from 15% to 60% of the area median income, or AMI. Units are a mix of studios and one bedrooms, and the building also includes three ground floor retail spaces. On 2 East, let me just take this off, sorry. On 2 East, affordability levels are anticipated to range from 30% to 70% AMI, and the building will include a variety of unit types from studios to three bedrooms. The building includes two ground floor retail spaces, as well as a childcare facility that is expected to serve approximately 45 children. Both buildings will include class one secured bicycle parking, uh, no vehicular parking on the site. Next slide. On October 26th, OCII issued the 10th addendum to the Transbay Terminal Caltrain Downtown Extension Redevelopment Project Final Environmental Impact Statement, Environmental Impact Report, or the EIS-EIR. It confirms that the amount of development on Block 2 studied in the EIS-EIR exceeds the amount of development now proposed on Block 2. The addendum includes wind and shadow analyses and concludes that the shadow, <clears throat> excuse me, and concludes that the change from the redevelopment plan and the DCDG amendment, as Matt mentioned earlier, would not create significant impacts with regard to pedestrian level wind conditions or shadow effects. The shadow study found that the proposed massing changes would add limited shadow on nearby open spaces, including 0.8% net new shadow on the planned Transbay Block 3 Park. The addendum finds that the revisions to the EIS-EIR project associated with the proposed project would not cause new significant impacts that were not already identified in the EIS-EIR, nor would the proposed project cause significant impacts that were previously identified to become substantially more severe. 
Next slide. Uh, with your approval today, uh, the project team would move on to seek approval of the redevelopment plan amendment from the Board of Supervisors. Uh, we'd anticipate beginning construction on both 2 West and 2 East in 2024, with completion expected in 2026. And I'll now go ahead and turn it over to Owen Kennerly, who will speak on behalf of the sponsor and provide an overview of the project design. Thank you. Owen Kennerly with Kennerly Architecture and Planning, co-principal, um, lead architect on Transbay 2 East uh, family housing. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Transbay Block 2 is a keystone site in the Transbay Master Plan and an exciting opportunity to provide 335 new homes affordable to low-income seniors and families. Two blocks from the waterfront, the site lies within an extremely transit-rich area and will frame the future Block 3 Transbay Park. Next slide, please. While we are honored to be working with Mercy Housing on the Block 2 East family building, we are also working collaboratively with CCDC and Methune, the developer and architects of the senior building on Block 2 West, to create a holistic approach to the block. Indeed, the driving focus of our collective efforts has been both urban design and livability for the residents and the neighbors, for in a city, the two cannot be divorced from one another. This holistic approach, next slide please. This holistic approach starts with the site and its unique attributes within the Transbay plan. It is surrounded by streets and bisected by a pedestrian muse with direct connection to the new park. The landscape design, next slide please. Landscape design led by plural landscape architecture stitches the block together with planting, generous sidewalks, and street activating stoops and retail entries. Next slide please. Six retail spaces totaling over 11,000 square feet will span the, the entire block, anchoring the corners and will activate the sidewalks and the pedestrian muse down the middle. Mercy Housing will be managing the retail space block-wide. Next slide, please. Here you can see views of the two corner retail spaces on the family building. On the right is the corner of the Muse and Folsom. On the left, you can see the ground floor corner of Main and Folsom. Included in this retail uh, portfolio is a 6,000 square foot childcare center that will serve neighborhood families. Next slide, please. Uh, with capacity up to 47 children. This will be activating both the mid-block Muse and the corner of the Muse in Clementina Street with an open play courtyard that uh, brings life and vitality to that mid-block Muse. Uh, fronting the new park, next slide. Uh, the child care center in the corner retail space on Clementina and Beale will augment eight residential stoops and patios to activate the new park frontage with a stately rhythm. Next slide, please. The family building itself rises 17 stories with 184 new homes. The massing is divided into three volumes that give expression to the three social hubs within. A double height lobby front, uh, up down on Folsom Street, flanked by the new retail spaces. A double height community space and open garden on level six, partway up the building. And a level 16 roof deck with amenity space that all allow families to gather and form community within the building. These three volumes will be clad in an integral color precast concrete with recessed windows. Vertical clefts in the massing will bring daylight into upper level corridors, so residents will always be connected to the city and the views beyond. We are very excited by this vision for this new multi-generational community in the Transbay District, and I hope you are as well. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. If that concludes the presentations, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the Commission on this matter. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no request to speak, Commissioners, public, I take that back. When you hear that your line has been unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Sugester, I sent uh, the planning commissioners an email supporting this project. We have had a lot of projects come through downtown, and they are mostly all market rate housing, extremely upscale housing. This is the first thing we've seen. It's a large amount of low-income housing for seniors and families, and they are really needed. That is housing city needs a lot of. So in the midst of the housing element that you're struggling with and the goals for affordable housing, this is a big chunk of affordable housing. I ask you to unanimously support this project and be very thankful that the former redevelopment agency can do 100% affordable housing. Thank you very much. Okay, last call for public comment. Seeing no additional requests to speak, Commissioner's public comment is... Sorry. Um, public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Excellent. just want to thank staff um, and the project uh, sponsors, which there are many folks working together and collaborating. It's very exciting to see this project come before us. Um, very, very excited to see no parking, the child care for up to 47 kids, and the range of affordability options that are going to be part of this project. So it's really dynamic and a bit of good news um, as we are seeing a lot of things stall or kind of our, our agendas get a little thin. So very, very excited about this project. I'm going to call on Commissioner Moore. Fully supporting what uh, President Tanner just said uh, to carry on uh, putting urban design and livability into the center of the task at hand, I think is extremely important. And then seeing it in the hand of the right architects and the right developers is the winning solution. I'm in full support. Thank you. Commissioner Koppel. Yeah, it's great to see us uh, so tastefully adding uh, some good density in the right location um, in full support. Absolutely great. Thank you. Commissioner Diamond. So I, I too am very supportive. I just have a highly technical question uh, for staff and maybe for the city attorney. Um, and that is, what is the project that we are approving? Because the middle whereas on page three says the proposed project is to construct two 100% affordable housing buildings with 335 units. So it sounds like the project is both buildings. But there are other parts of the motion that read as though the project is changing the massing um, just on the two east building. So could you provide some clarification as to what is the exact amendment that we are so, doing here? Yeah, the amendment is, technically the amendment is the increase in the floor plate sizes which only affect the east building. Um, I, I do, and sometimes in the discussion and making the findings, I do kind of allude to the fact that they're increasing the massing here enables the entire project's feasibility. And so I did include in some cases, is, as I was making the findings, 
um, that um, the, the project in its entirety was being enabled. And so that's why it, there might be a little bit of back and forth between the two. Technically, the redevelopment amendments that are before you or the, what you're making findings for is just for the East Building because that's the only portion, that's the only portion of the building for which these, these revised controls would apply. So in light of that, this middle, can you take a look at this middle whereas on page three? Um, yes. Sorry. The middle where, I'm sorry, which page oh, are which we on? Page three of the motion. Which one is it, um, Commissioner Diamond? Page three of the motion okay. in the middle, the whereas starts, the proposed project is to, to construct 100% yeah. affordable yeah. housing on two lots compro comprised of the two west and two east projects. Right. That, is that really what you mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to to provide some clarity, we could say the pro, the, <laughs> the proposed uh, the the proposed amendments that are before the planning commission enables the project, which in turn is, um, is to construct two 100% affordable housing buildings on an empty lot. So that sounds it adds more clarity to me okay. from the city attorney's perspective. Is that okay to make that change? Uh, Deputy City Attorney Austin Yang, that, that proposal sounds fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So with that, I would move to approve. Second. That, that would include that modification. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. If there's nothing further, there is a motion that has been seconded to adopt the general plan conformity findings as amended and read into the record by staff. On that motion, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously six to zero. Commissioners, that'll place us on items 13A and B for case numbers 2019-003978-CUA and VAR for the property at 749 Grant Avenue. You will consider the conditional use authorization while the zoning administrator will consider a request for variance. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Claudine Asba, Department Staff. 749, I'm sorry. I'm speaking today for Rebecca Salgado, who's sick today, so. Before you is a request for a conditional use authorization to allow for a structure over 35 feet in height in a Chinatown mixed-use district. The zoning officer will also consider a variance from the site coverage in Chinatown mixed-use district's requirements, pursuant to Planning Code Section 134.1. After packets were published, planning staff prepared a packet addendum on November 29th with additional background information on the department's investigation into possible residential uses at the second floor of the property. This addendum was emailed to the commissioners and published on the department's website, and hard copies are also available for your review. The project site is on the southwest corner of Grant Avenue and Clay Street and is located within the CVR zoning district and the Chinatown Historic District. The project site is developed with a commercial building initially constructed in 1907 that is two stories tall over a basement with approximately 7,578 square feet. The building has served various commercial uses since its initial construction and is currently occupied by three retailers. To date, the department has not received any letters either in support or in opposition to the project. 
the department finds that the project is on balance consistent with the objectives and policies of the city's general plan. The department also finds the project to be necessary, desirable, and compatible with the surrounding neighborhood. The project has been designed to respect the scale of the surrounding development and to relate to adjacent buildings and the surrounding Chinatown Historic District. Other lots in the vicinity are developed with older mixed-use structures that contain ground-level retail sales and service uses with residential use above, and the project's proposed mixed retail and residential uses align with these existing properties. The project would add six moderately-sized dwelling units that could accommodate households of varying sizes to the neighborhood. The site on Grand Avenue is well served by both local and regional transit, and substantial commuter traffic is not anticipated. Based on the findings contained within the case report, the department recommends approval of the project with conditions. This concludes my presentation, and unless there are any questions, the project team also has a brief presentation of the project. Thank you. Project sponsor, you have five minutes. Yeah, Did you want to begin, sir? Uh, good afternoon, Commissioner. Uh, my name is Bill Guan, uh, the project architect. Uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to do the presentations. Uh, the proposed project is located in Chinatown, at the corner of Clay and Grand Avenue, an uh, old neighborhood with very high density uh, developments. Many buildings occupy the entire lot, with commercial at the ground floor and apartment at the top floors. So, um, as you look at this, this uh, Google map, uh, looking from the top, uh, this is the, the project locations. And basically, uh, the project is so on with uh, large buildings, uh, four or five story, uh, some of them like three, and uh, they are all taking the entire lot. There's no setback, uh, no open areas, so it's a pretty compact, dense neighborhoods. Currently, the building uh, has only two stories. See, this is 
This is the buildings. It has two story. Um, the commercial, both both floor are commercial area with a basement and the ground floors. And uh, it is it, uh, more like a dwarf, but small buildings compared to its surroundings with uh, uh, large buildings, like three or four stories. So uh, this is a, a 3D rendering of the of the proposed projects. Uh, we are keeping the, the same use of the buildings. Uh, we commercial at the ground floor, but at the same time we are adding two additional floor on the top, but with six brand new two bedroom development units. Uh, to uh, with six direct you need to make up the lost open space uh, a roof deck is also uh, proposed with the uh, with the uh, this is the roof deck it's about uh, up to 600 square feet with the with the view of the sky, uh, the city skylines. So, I I we're going to be a good use for the uh, for the residents. Uh, following, I'm going to do a quick presentation of that, all the floor plans. This is the basement's floor. Oops. And this is the top, top, uh, top unit, the, uh, the ground floor. We are keeping the same amount of units. So, and the main point is we're adding uh, additional units to the, to the projects that align with the city policy and provide new development unit to the city people in an already developed areas. Uh, the proposed project is within walking distance to the shop, uh, within this walking distance to the transit, market, and restaurant and open parks. I believe it's a win-win case to my client and to the people and to the neighborhood. Uh, I hope you can um, give this project a chance and uh, approve it today. Thank you very much. Okay, if that concludes sponsor's presentation, we should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. You're here in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. If you're on WebEx, you need to raise your hand. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Oh, well, you need to come forward, sir. Good afternoon, Commissioner. Um, my name is Peter. I'm representing the uh, property at 745 Grand, which is the proposed 
project going to be. And I'm here to support the project because, first of all, I don't know, everybody knows Chinatown, the business that uh, has been hurt. And as far as I remember, for the last 25 or more years, there is no development in Chinatown for commercial and residential. And this is a great opportunity. This new building will not only enhance the Chinatown and bringing in more commercial business coming in and, and will help the uh, business overall. And, uh, and the owner is very cooperative. Uh, we have made one uh, small uh, suggestion to, for the planning uh, department to uh, consider to make some changes on the uh, one of the skylight and they cooperated and we are really appreciated. And I'm looking forward, the commissioner will um, allow, go forward with this project. I think Chinatown and the Chinese community need a new building for, for the community. Thank you very much. Okay, last call for public comment. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. You're on WebEx, you need to raise your hand. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, public. We have one uh, person coming forward now. Uh, have some people help me translate from uh, Mandarin? Can I speak Mandarin? Uh, you can speak Mandarin, but we did not receive a request for interpretive services, so we don't have our interpreter prepared here. I don't know if any member of the public could interpret for this woman, we would welcome that. This looks like the uh, okay. architect was able to do that for you. Yes. Thank you, sir. Uh, a quick uh, clarification. Although I understand Mandarin, but not a very good translator. If I got it, misleading it, I'm sorry about it. apologize. Okay, go ahead. Okay,首先第一点，我想要声明一下，我为什么想要盖这个building重新盖。第一点就是我看到所有加拿大的building都是很老、很旧，有些乱。好，所以我就想。So she want to saying that, uh, why she want to uh do these buildings? She, by the way, she's the owner, so she saying that. Chinatown is, to her, is very old, and it's led of development. Sorry, ma'am, um, if you're the owner of the building, excuse me, sorry, if you're the owner of the building, uh, I don't know if your time to speak is at this time. As the owner of the building, you're really part of the project sponsors team, um, so your time to speak was under uh, the project, I mean, they did have like 20 seconds left, so. Yeah, we can give the remaining 20 seconds, I think that's the下雨,那个地下积水都要用好几个胖不把水抽出去,然后一下子墙壁坏了,水管坏了,电不够了,种种问题使我们很头痛,所以我一直想说改这个,还有一个太老了,那个地震又做不好。我怕有一天真的又地震的话,像1989年那个大地震,整栋楼, 
都会垮掉，这是第二点。哦、uh, ，there's a, there's a, has been a, a serious、uh, leakings for from the basement for the building.、Uh, in number occasion, she have to pump out the water from the basement, and second of all, she's worried about earthquake. The building is really old and is not retrofit, so she's worried about someday there may be a big earthquake and come and destroy her buildings. 最后一点，我是说，从 1982， 我在中国城做生意，一直到现在，呃，从我最黄金时代就贡献在这个地方。现在我年纪也渐渐大了，我希望把我最后的希望、理想，可以完成在一个自己拥有的好的 building。呃、uh, ，the last thing she said she。has been uh, doing business in Chinatown since 1982. And this is her last wish to make the building to be uh, some significant to the Chinatowns. And uh, thank you. Thank you. That is your time. Thank you. Okay, final, final, final last call. If anybody physically is here and wants to speak, you need to stand up and walk forward towards the microphone. If there are any other members of the public who wish to speak, please come forward and line up on the screen side of the room. Hello, I Chinese 同埋街坊係一個好好好嘅消息，同時亦增加咗就業嘅崗位，亦美化咗華埠繁榮興旺。多謝。Thank you, ma'am. Did you want to speak? Now is the time to speak, so please come forward and speak now. We're going to close the public comment in a moment if people aren't lining up. h e l l o 大家好，晏晝好。誒，我叫哥尼，我咧就姓李，住喺呢個華埠已經超過三十年嘅。咁依家咧，我哋好希望嗰個政府係建多啲咁樣房屋，可以誒繁榮嗰個華埠經濟啦，同埋美化我哋嘅環境啊。仲有咧，因為好多低收人士，佢哋係唔夠地方住嘅，同埋嗰個租金係實在太貴啦。一房一廳咧就係依家要限兩個人住，係要二千二到三千蚊左右，咁係好多中產人士都負擔唔起嘅。我哋唔希望咁多人搬嚟呢個三藩市，同埋我哋想 keep 住多啲嘅人民同埋嗰個華埠嘅興旺。Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hello， 大家好。誒，我都係講中文，唔識講英文。我叫徐桂芳，我係誒住響唐人浮積臣街嘅。咁我哋住響唐人浮咧，亦都有廿廿年有多。但係唐人浮嘅即係響
誒，我哋三藩市嚟講咧，嗰啲住房咧確實係好緊張。咁而家咧就特別是而家嗰啲長壽嘅，全部都係好多都係散房啊咁樣，啲都係好老舊啦。咁如果能夠將呢啲地方咧改建一下，能夠係擴大啲嘅，又可以咧增加多啲住房啊，同埋咧亦可以美化咗呢個唐人埠嘅話咧。又可以增加嗰啲誒人嘅就業啊，誒咁樣嚟講咧，對我哋係誒一個好好好大嘅好處，亦都可以令到更多啲家庭咧可以即係唔使全部都擠喺嗰個散房嗰度。有啲人係冇咁嘅條件，冇咁嘅地方，冇辦法冇得發展唐房，已經係只有咁多地方，所以我都係好願意希望能夠。誒可以通過咁樣咧，都有一啲改變，幫助下唐人房。嘅唔該。Okay, any other member of the public? Okay, I'm going to try this one more time. Public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you, commissioners. Thank you, and thank you to the members of the public who are speaking. I'm sorry we weren't able to translate everyone. Um, in the future, if folks do know that they need interpretation, we can request that ahead of time, then we can have the right staff here. But thank you for coming and for providing your testimony. With that said, I will call on Commissioner Imperial and then Commissioner Moore. Thank you, and again, thank you for the public for speaking. Um, and hopefully the architect, if you could translate what um, President Tanner has mentioned in terms of getting the interpretation in advance so that I'm assuming that the people who speak was in support of the project. Um, um, I hope we got to understand that. Um, first, um, I would like to thank the staff actually for doing the work in terms of investigating during the drop site, um, off-site visits and extensively reaching out to the neighborhood as well in terms of the, um, you know, the nature of the second floor. And also I do find this, um, actually this building as a modest, um, you know, modest building, code compliant, and I do think that it would add, um, you know, character also in terms of what it is right now in that in that corner lot. So I'm in general support of this project, and um, yeah, and thank you again for the public for speaking. Commissioner Moore, creating appropriate relief within Chinatown with a building and uh, and units that offer two bedrooms for families, I think is a very good move. I think it is sensitively done given its location, and I think it's an understated fit into what is basically the heart of Chinatown. Uh, overall, uh, I think it is a good solution, and I hope that people in the neighborhood find the financial ability to actually occupy these units. Uh, I want to thank staff for asking the architect for a last minute change, the delineation of the roof deck indeed is very appropriate. The previous version we had showed a roof that was completely basically roof deck. But talking with staff, we sized the roof deck to really meet the expectations of what we typically do. It meets the square footage for the six units, but it also modestly holds back from the edges of the building to not really impact the street itself or adjoining neighbors. 
most adjoining neighbors are SRO occupied if there are residential uses, and I think we want to be very careful about how things blend. Thank you very much, and again, I regret not hearing a translation, but as uh, uh, President Tanner said, it, it, I assume that those people who spoke were in support of the project. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to second Commissioner Imperial's um, uh, thanks to staff for doing the work. I know Ms. Salgado's not here, but please do extend to her our, our thanks for doing the site visit, for working with the rent board and others in the community to understand what the history and nature of the second um, level is. And I agree with all the comments, uh, both at tastefully designed building that I think will be a great addition to Chinatown. And again, good to see um, two bedroom units um, in a really wonderful part of our city. So very, very excited to support the project today. Commissioner Koppel and then Commissioner Braun. Uh, move to approve. Second. Uh, I just wanted to add my thanks to uh, Ms. Elgato for doing that investigation. I, I had noticed in the project plans that there was a reference in the earlier agenda packet to um, the units on the second floor and whether they may have been residential. And I really appreciate her responsiveness in responding to my concerns about that. So uh, yeah, otherwise it's a great project in a great location. It's sensitively designed. I agree with everything else that the other commissioners have shared. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, if there's nothing further, there is a motion that has been seconded to approve this matter with conditions on that motion. Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commission President Tanner? Aye. So moved, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously 6 to 0. Zoning Administrator, what say you? I'll close the public hearing on the variance and intend to grant with the standard conditions. Thank you. Commissioners, that'll place us on item 14 for case number 2019-014334, COA at 2629 Taylor Street. This is a request for conditional use authorization. Good afternoon, Commissioners. I'm Kevin Guy with Current Planning Staff. The item before you today is a request for conditional use authorization for a property located at 2629 Taylor Street at the northwest corner with North Point Street. <clears throat> the project would demolish the existing two-story commercial building and would construct a new hotel with four stories over a basement level. The hotel would contain 136 guest rooms and 2,000 square feet of ground floor retail uses. The hotel also includes amenities such as a fitness center, breakfast service area, employee shower and locker facilities, a courtyard, and a roof deck. In order to approve the project, the commission must grant conditional use authorization, which is required for a hotel use in the C2 zoning district and the waterfront special use district, with waterfront special use district, which both apply to the project site. In addition to the standard CU findings, the commission must make findings that are unique for hotel projects. These findings address market demand for the hotel as well as trans or potential impacts of the employment generated by the hotel on housing, transportation, and social services. San Francisco has historically been one of the strongest markets for lodging in the United States with Fisherman's Wharf as a top-rated tourist attraction in Northern California. While the outbreak of COVID has suppressed travel demand in recent years, the market demand study prepared for the project expects recovery of the market by 2025. Within the context of overall citywide employment growth, a minor increase in employment would not be expected to generate a substantial demand for housing, transit, childcare, or other social services. It should be noted that the hotel has no on-site parking, therefore employees are incentivized to commute by means other than private vehicles. The project complies with all requirements of the planning code, aside from the requirement from two off -street, for two off-street loading bays. As an alternative to the on-site loading bays, the project is proposing a 40-foot loading zone along the North Point Street frontage. 
Therefore, the project is requesting a modification of the off-street loading requirements by the zoning administrator. So in conclusion, the approval of the project will reinforce Fisherman's Wharf as a focal point of tourist activity while being situated far enough from the maritime and fishing industries to avoid conflicts with those uses. The project includes no off-street parking in an area well served by transit. The lobby and ground floor retail uses will help to activate both the Taylor and North, North Point Street frontages of the project. Staff recommends approval of the project and I'm available for any questions you may have. Thank you. Project sponsor, you have five minutes. Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Michael Stanton. I'm the project architect for this proposed hotel. Uh, with me is Mujan Wang, who is my Vanna White today, but he actually is my project architect who has done a fine job on this. Our client, Scott McChesney of the Black Ridge Group, is also here. Scott is an experienced San Francisco hotel developer. He and his partners developed, uh, oversaw the development of the 701 Third Street Hyatt Place, which is uh, down by the ballpark and quite successful. I'd like to use our time to do four things. First, a brief look at the next move, at the uh, location. As uh, Mr. Guy said, it's at the corner of North Point and Taylor. Currently, the site's occupied by uh, post-Second World War uh, strip commercial in a variety of architectural styles. Here's a couple of views of it. This is the North Point view. Uh, the project we propose is best explained in two drawings. First is the floor plan. It's a donut-shaped hotel with a generous courtyard in the center that's 50 by 50, which is the distance across Church Street, from uh, across 24th Street from storefront to storefront to give people a sense of scale. Um, you'll also notice that it's a high percentage of double rooms, double queens, um, 48 in the proposed in the hotel, making this a visitor-serving family hotel. As Kevin, as Mr. Guy mentioned, we are there are no meeting rooms, there's no ballrooms. This is a visitor-serving tourist hotel. The queen rooms also connect to the king, so there's a lot of flexibility for using the hotel for, for uh, families. The section is the other drawing which helps explain it. You can see that we have a continuous facade of retail along Taylor Street, which is the major access from the cable car to the wharf and back, reinforcing the retail that is currently there. And you can see the courtyard and in the generous space between the units in this indication. Uh, I'd like to point out a couple of other issues about the architecture. Next move, keep going. Oh, uh, the, we are proposing a fairly generous roof deck with, which complies with all the city's current living roof requirements. Uh, it'll be for occupants of the hotel only. It's passive recreation. There's not a bar up there. There's no activity like that, but it's still nonetheless going to be a fine place for people to get up and look out and enjoy the city. Some modification to this roof plan will result from the implementation of the requirements uh, for active solar that are in the current California building code, but we'll work those out at the staff level. Um, here's a couple of views of the hotel in the street context, one along North Point and the other along Taylor. You can see that the design is consistent with the scale and, and rhythm of the roads on uh, the streets on both sides. Um, the design itself is a combination of um, pre-finished metal panels, 
that give a strong horizontal background to the base of the building with the bays in cement plaster. Cement plaster is an excellent material to execute the ins and outs of a bay, and yet not a particularly, that's not a, a role that falls well to metal, so that's why we're proposing these two materials. Here's a couple of views of it. This is the view down Taylor Street, and the next view is along North Point. And uh, I received word uh, a couple of days ago that uh, Commissioner Diamond had asked for additional information on the market demand study. And Commissioner, in response to your request that I picked up on a couple of days ago, uh, here is the, uh, the November 2020 CBRE report on, occupant, on the hotel market in San Francisco. So this is basically hot off the press. The part of it that is key is this gra these graphs here. These graphs here show clearly that even factoring in fully, which the original market study could only guess at since it was prepared in 2020, uh, factoring COVID in fully, the projection is still that the key indicators of the hotel um, average occupancy, average rate, and revenue per room are all anticipated to be at or above the level set in 2017, which was a banner year, by the time 2025 rolls along, which is when this hotel it will be likely be open in the summer of 2025. So uh, I, sorry I can't get more information for you, Commissioner Diamond, but this is the most recent information we have on market demand. And with that, um, I'll be happy to field any questions after public comment that may come from the, each of you. We look forward to your support of this project. Thank you. Thank you, members of the public. This is your opportunity to address the commission. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward and line up on the screen side of the room. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. If you're on WebEx, you need to raise your hand. Good afternoon, President Tanner and all members of the Planning Commission. My name is Stephen Shargotts, and I'm a field representative for the NorCal Carpenters Union, uh, Local 22, representing approximately 37,000 carpenters in Northern California and over 3,000 carpenters here in the city and county of San Francisco. There are zero labor standards attached to this project. Uh, we have reached out numerous times and have been told that uh, they're too busy to talk to us. In the past few months, we as an organization have seen a lot of issues with hotel refreshes in the industry as hotels are making a comeback. Labor violations, prevailing wage violations are some of these issues, and we, don't, and we do not want these to carry over into new construction. In conclusion, these issues do not arise with the commitment to the use of a union general contractor. We ask the commission to take this into consideration before approving this project. Thank you for your time. Okay, seeing no other members of the public in the chambers, we'll go to our remote callers. Again, when you hear that your line has been unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Hello, my name is Dave Fahey. I'm with the UA Local 38 Plumbers and Pipefitters Union of San Francisco in the Business Development Department. I'm speaking in support of this planned development at 2629 Taylor Street. Um, as we have heard, it's a new four-story uh, hotel with 136 rooms, ground floor mixed-use retail space, located in Fisherman's Wharf and Barcadero District, the most popular tourist destination in the city. This project not only will benefit the tourism of San Francisco, which is recovering from the 
pandemic, but at the same time, it will support the surrounding businesses. We specifically, uh, especially uh, value the project sponsor's commitment to using trained and skilled union plumbing labor, which will establish fair wages, safe working conditions, and proper benefit jobs, creating an efficient and quality construction project. We encourage the commissioners to join us in support of this much needed project. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. This is Cynthia Gomez, Research Analyst from Unite Here Local 2. We represent hotel and hospitality workers, and we are in support of the proposed project at 2629 Taylor Street. As a union representing hospitality employees, we are concerned with whether new jobs created in this industry will serve to lift up the community by providing living wages uh, and working conditions for the hardworking people in our hotels. And hotel developers have historically supported the creation of good quality jobs by agreeing to remain neutral and presenting no encumbrances to efforts by their employees to form a union. The developer of this project has worked with our union to sign such an agreement and has also signed an agreement, as you've heard, that will cover the building trades for the construction of the hotel. So we support this project for its guarantees of good quality jobs and we urge support for its needed approvals as it makes its way through the planning process. Thank you. Hello, my name is Dan Torres. I'm a business agent for Sprinkler Fitters UA Local 483. I'm calling to show support for the project at 2629 Taylor Street um, in San Francisco. And I want to mention that, you know, the, the developer made a commitment to using union sprinkler fitters. We do the compliance of our own projects and we ensure that we have a union sprinkler fitter on the job will ensure to make sure that he, has, he or she has the proper wages and benefits for that project. So uh, I ask you for your support for this project. Thank you. Um, hi, Commissioner. <clears throat> My name is Josh Bowles. I'm a business representative for Local 104 and I represent 10,000 sheet metal workers. I'm calling in support of this project located at 2629 Taylor Street. Uh, not only will it benefit the, the, our members and our apprenticeships and, and get members back to work and the community back up and running, it'll benefit the city in general. Money made here, money spent here, and uh, it all comes full circle. So I would su strongly suggest you support this and let's go, let's get it done. Thank you. Last call for public comment. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. If you're on WebEx, raise your hand. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed. And this matter is now before you. I want to thank the project sponsor and staff um, for the project and explaining, especially the catch, kind of catching us up on the 2022 hotel report. Um, seems like it mostly was saying that things are still looking like recovery uh, is a few years out, although I think we've had some good um, news this summer with some tourism returning uh, to the city, so that's definitely good to see. I think the hotel seems to be very well designed, very thoughtful, um, a great location and happy to see no parking. Um, again, encouraging even our tourists to, I think, walk and bike and to use other means, uh, transit to get around the city, especially in this location where I don't think it's not really very fun to drive anyways, if you have a car, <laughs> quite frankly. So we're doing them a favor, I think, uh, in that regard. Uh, with that, I'll call on Commissioner Moore and then Commissioner Koppel. 
very much in support of the project. This particular site has looked for a new use for quite a few years. I remember a number of years ago, there was another application in front of us which did not fare so well or the time wasn't right for it. Glad to hear that we're moving on forward with the hotel, coupled with the uh, encouraging forecast for, for the hotel industry uh, for San Francisco. I have one question, uh, and it's a curiosity for Mr. Stanton. Uh, it is so unusual that the adjoining building on North Point to the west has this acute angle interfering really <laughs> with designing your property on its own. How could that happen? This is a question, a curiosity question on my part. Huh? Well, speaking through the chair, um, I have no idea. <laughs> the other block is, it's a perfect 137 and a half by 137 and a half square, except for that yeah. little cutout. Yeah. And the adjacent building to the north of it on Taylor is this, the adjacent lot is the same size. So I have absolutely no idea. It had, did provide a bit of a challenge for the design of the building. Yes. It requires us to return that facade along what would normally be a party wall in the same material that we're using on North Point so that it, we won't have that ugly transition from um, a good facade, if you will, on the public street to something more minimal on the party wall. So we're returning it back there. But I have absolutely no idea how we got that jog. It would be interesting for historic preservation to look at the history of the battles between those owners in those early, early days. But uh, I'm in full support. Thank you for that explanation. Thank you. Commissioner Koppel. Uh, definitely in support of the project today. Really happy to hear uh, Local 2 uh, call in to support um, not just the, the temporary construction of the building, but the permanent uh, employing of, you know, ideally uh, San Francisco residents making a good wage, um, working in the hotel full time. Really appreciate the no parking and the efficiency done uh, prioritizing the family um, style units. Great, thank you. Commissioner Diamond. Um, I very much appreciate the responsiveness to my question about market demand. We're required to make findings, and it was making me uncomfortable relying on a 2020 <coughs> study. So uh, thank you for the scurrying I'm sure it took. You, you said that was November 22 was the date of the study. Was that right? Terrific. So then I just have one architectural. Yes, yes ma'am. Thanks. I have one architectural question. You have hotel rooms in what's called the basement that front on the courtyard. Um, can you describe to me what the windows are like? Are they just clear story windows? Or are they regular size windows? Again, speaking through the chair, uh, Commissioner Diamond, those guest rooms that are down there on the courtyard, which are only down five feet from the grade level, if you will, so it's not a full basement, they will have the same windows as all the other guest rooms. There's going to be a landscape screen about six or eight feet out from those windows which will give the residents of that, uh, of that uh, the people using that guest room privacy from the breakfast patio and the like, as well as potentially people looking up or down. But they'll have the same size windows as every other room. So the floor of the rooms is at the same level as the floor of the courtyard? Yes. At, yes, okay. Yes. All right, thank you very much. Commissioner Moore, did you have another comment? No, I didn't okay. take my name off. Commissioner Koppel? I uh, move to approve. Second. Thank you, Commissioners. On that motion to approve this matter with conditions, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously 6 to 0.
And um, for the benefit of the public, the discretionary review calendar item number 15 has been withdrawn, placing us uh, on item four, which was pulled off of consent for case number 2022-000346-COA at 428 15th Avenue. This is a conditional use authorization. Uh, good afternoon, President Tanner and Commissioners, Kalyani Agnihotri, Department Staff. The item before you is a request for conditional use authorization pursuant to Planning Code Sections 202, sorry, 209 and 317 to demolish an existing one-bedroom single-family dwelling and construct a new development with two buildings consisting of a four-story building with two three-bedroom family-sized dwelling units in the front and a detached single-story state ADU at the rear at 428 15th Avenue. The site is located within the RH2 zoning and a 40X height and bulk district. The subject lot has um, a parking lot with four cars, car parking spaces in the front and a single-story one-bedroom unit at the back uh, as existing. The two family-sized dwelling units uh, at the front each have three bedrooms and their own private usable open space in the form of a deck and roof deck, respectively. The garage consists of three vehicle parking spaces and two bike parking spaces. The proposed detached state, ADU program, uh, state program ADU is located at the rear of the property with appropriate setbacks, and it's <coughs> compliant with the applicable state law. The project sponsor has conducted a pre-application meeting on May 10th, 2021. As of today, uh, the department has received two inquiries about the project and the construction details from adjacent neighbors. The department has also received emails from three parties debating on whether the existing building is an earthquake shack. The planning department values and supports the retention of earthquake shacks as tangible pieces of history uh, from the 1906 earthquake. We also share the enthusiasm of community members in both the identification and preservation of these buildings. 428 15th Avenue is a low-scale building dating from 1907, and staff agrees with the community members that the building could fit some of the key identifiers of earthquake shacks. Uh, and that additional investigation of the building was needed. However, after careful evaluation, preservation staff did not find sufficient evidence to support a positive identification of either one shack or two shacks cobbled together. In brief, the general dimensions, height, ceiling, and roof formations, and construction methods did not fit earthquake shack parameters. We've also confirmed through a site visit as of yesterday plans and historic documentation that the building does not have a basement, which is a key, key indication sorry, that the building is not an earthquake shack. Therefore, staff is comfortable with the conclusion that the building is indeed not an earthquake shack. In summary, this is a code-compliant project. It is in line with the zoning and policies of the general plan. It infills an underutilized parcel to provide new family-sized housing and also maximizes the density on the lot. 
the department recommends approval. This concludes my presentation. I am here for any questions. The applicant has a short presentation, and I will hand it over to them. Thank you. Also, uh, the most updated plans and the redlined motion have been passed out to you as printed copies. Thank you. Project sponsor, you have five minutes. Hello, commissioners. Uh, I'm John Strickland, the project sponsor for 428 15th Avenue. Thank you for allowing us to present our project today. Joining me to help answer questions will be project architect Zach Madry of DMARC and Tara Sullivan of RJR. 428 15th Avenue is a family housing project. It's been designed with San Francisco planning guidance received and much compromises given. It will contain, as you know, two family-sized homes, and after review and request, we've also included a state-complying ADU. I personally have been building small family housing projects in San Francisco since 1989. My three children were born here and raised south of Market. I'm devoted to my family, to my community, and to my business and to the city, which I truly do love. My children went to school in Soma, and um, I helped entitle their school building with the support of our supervisor. As we walked down Folsom Street, I would always tell my kids about the planning commission or the planning department's uh, master plan for South of Market um, for our neighborhood. And as teenagers, they now still believe me, and I believe in it as well. And like most of you, undoubtedly as well, I've watched most of my friends move out of the city over the years. There's been a variety of reasons from easier commutes or better professional opportunities or less regulations and rules or more personal reason, reasons like a desire for a walkable and safe neighborhood or to be closer to family to help them or for the desire for better schools or choices for their children or simply for a home that's large enough to coexist with their teenagers and perhaps their parents. All good people, all valid choices, but slowly each one has drifted away. The end result I've seen with this outward migration that I've seen has been less children walking the streets and less community engagement and longer and longer drives for me for prearranged play dates and sports. From that distance created, my friend's children have now been transformed into identifying as visitors or tourists when they come to visit us in Soma. There's been less emotional connection I've seen with the city and a more critical amplification given to its built-in urban uh, challenges. In contrast, what I've seen from raising my kids in South of Market and through our daily walking the streets together as a family and being an active part of our community is that they identify as San Franciscans. And I suspect, if I get my way, that they will for their lifetimes. Since I started my business over three decades ago, I have been committed to creating and focused on building well-designed family housing. This small family-sized project before you is properly sized and massed, well-placed in relation to its neighbors. It maximizes the current allowed density and allows for multi-generational living. If done right, and I will do the best I can, it will strengthen the personal connections to the city. I ask you for your approval. Thank you very much. Zach?
My name is Zach Madry, and I'm architect with DMR Studio. SFGov, can we have the computer, please? Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Stops the time. You, you can continue your presentation. I can help you move this. Um, okay, thank you. Um, we just have a few slides for you to review. Most of them focus on the addition of the ADU. You know, initially we were asked to confirm that this, the existing structure is not historical. And so we just had a few images. I know that there was a site visit yesterday and I feel like that's been put to rest. If there's any questions, you can let me know. Uh, if you go back one slide. Uh, the existing site plan, as Kalyani mentioned earlier, very small structure located at the rear of the site with four parking surface spots in front of it. Uh, you can go to the next slide now. Um, we took a little bit of time to prepare a quick floor plan of what the interior looks like. You can see that the, the, on the section that the site's really flat and that the building itself is pretty low slung. Next slide, please. <clears throat> this is a site plan that shows the location of the proposed additional ADU. Uh, we're locating it in the rear yard. Um, we're complying with all the state mandated requirements for setbacks. The net result of this ADU is uh, 253 square feet. Next slide. <clears throat> this is the level one floor plan. One of the things I should note is that we have a easement to provide emergency egress for the adjacent property. That's Sir, to I'm going to interrupt you there just because your time is up. That's fine. But the if there's any questions, please let me know. Commissioners may have follow-up questions indeed. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Mark Norton. I'm here for one sole reason, and that is to make sure that you have a copy of a letter from Jane Cryan as to the question of whether or not the existing home is an earthquake shack. The reason there was a site visit yesterday is because she'd raised some questions. I apologize for the fact that this is happening so late in the process, but uh, Jane only found out about this a few days ago. Uh, we appreciate the fact that there was a site visit yesterday, but she has asked for one particular thing to be done, which has not been done, uh, and that is to open up the ceiling and look at the rafters and take some photographs. And, uh, according to Jane, and I think she's the expert on this, uh, that would tell us pretty much for sure whether or not any part of this building is uh, an earthquake shack. Um, again, I know it's late in the process, uh, but uh, perhaps the project sponsor could agree to have that, uh, that done, you know, in the next day or two, just to confirm and set everybody's minds at ease about this. Thank you. I want to thank the staff for going out there yesterday. I'm glad it wasn't raining yesterday. And uh, to making sure there wasn't a basement because that's what struck me in reading Ms. Cryan, who's the expert on earthquake shacks, cottages, that basements were, were required actually by the Board of Supervisors, which I never knew. And I actually, there was a house on my street that was torn down that people thought may have been an earthquake shack. And it had a basement, but it was torn down anyway. So I appreciate that. I suppose there's still the question of the rafters. I don't know. But I, I think, you know, maybe this is a good outcome if it isn't an earthquake shack because now you have an ADU. And so that's kind of all I want to say. And thanks again to the staff very much for all their hard work. Thank you. 
Um, hi, my name is Chris uh, Tam and my wife Jenny. We are the residents and owners of 426 15th Avenue, which is a building right next door and adjacent to the building, the right, the building that's being um, rebuilt. So um, I guess um, as, a, as a person, I, I'm not very familiar with the processes and, and I was looking into the CEQ, QA. Um, I understand it's just purely an environmental um, viewpoint that we're that we're expressing today, and so I think the viewpoint that I want to express as the as the neighbor is that um, one of the things is our our house is an old story building that's like three stories uh, that my father owned and I became the new owner of it uh, through his passing. Um, and one of the big concerns that we have is the is the sun and being able to enjoy the sun that that comes from our property and then from the open area from that 428 50th Avenue. And we're really kind of concerned about you know building this four-story building right next to ours, about how much enjoyment, how much loss that we would incur. Uh, by having that building next to us. I, I, we understand that uh, more housing is needed, but we're also looking at our concern about what will be lost for us. Um, we use, the, we pretty much go in the backyard every day. We use it to actually dry our clothes. So we, we do the old fashioned hanging clothes on the clothesline. We also uh, grow lemons and we grow other vegetables that we consume. We also dry meat out, outside for our own home consumption. So there's a lot of usage that we get from um, our location, and we're concerned about that being impacted. Um, in addition to, um, it's been in our family for my parents and for and my, my family, as well as my children. So we're, we've had barbecues there. It's been the central place in our family for uh, my my this, my current family plus my extended siblings for um, enjoyment. So um, we're looking at really what is the impact that um, this new building will create for us in terms of affecting um, our liv livability, our enjoyment of the uh, of the backyard that we have. Thank you very much. Um, okay. uh, and also, excuse me. And also, be concerned about the foundation of our house. Okay. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. you very. Um, sorry. Thank you very much. I think this one is a little bit high for us. That's why. Thank you. Thank you. Last call for public comment. And the chambers come forward if you're calling in remotely. You need to press star three. Seeing no additional requests to speak, Commissioner's public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Thank you. I would like the architect to come back. If you could share a little bit more of the slides you were sharing about the ADU and just kind of um, walk us through what is being proposed with the ADU. Sure. Um, thank you. So where we left off was that I was just talking you through the level one floor plan. 
And you can see at the rear of the property, we've provided a 250 square foot ADU. Um, one of the other constraints on this property is that we have a emergency escape easement on the southern edge of the property. You can see that there. And um, that, that factors in with the um, entrance, the, the uh, ind independent entrance for the ADU. I think that's an important feature of the ADU. It's, they, they get to utilize the easement and um, have their own front door. Um, so this is the second floor plan. The reason why we included this was that previously we had our usable open space in the rear yard. And um, we've actually carved back our second floor a little bit um, in order to provide our 125 square foot usable open space there for the, for the um, ground floor unit of the main building. Here's a section that shows the main building in relationship to the ADU. Um, the important things to note here, that we are considering a 16 foot or so height for the ADU in order to try to provide generous ceiling heights. The top of that coordinates with about the sill height of level two, which seemed appropriate to us. Um, you can also see the four foot setback from the rear property line. Um, additionally, should have mentioned earlier that we are using a five foot separation between the two buildings. Um, we feel like that's an appropriate way to um, maintain light and air for the, for the main unit. Um, the ADU itself will uh, get a lot of natural light through the north, east, and south sides of the building. Thank you. This answers my questions about the ADU. I don't know if anybody else has questions about the ADU while we have him here. Commissioner Diamond. So staff, it's a question for both of you actually. So um, the depth of the rear yard uh, meets our requirements for how far back the, the main building can go, right? But, but for the state law, they couldn't build the ADU in the rear yard, right? We don't permit any uh, those kinds of buildings in the backyard, in the rear yards. Is that right? That's a correct statement. Okay. And under our local ADU rules, could this ADU have been built in this location as opposed to the state ADU rules? So the state ADU does get waivers from open space and rear yard, and they can take away space from other dwellings on site. Um, I'm, I don't think it's the same with the local ADU program. Okay. So um, I'm you know, always happy we're adding more housing. It has really essentially eliminated the backyard though. I mean, not, it, it, it creates light and air from the second floor up, but it has completely eliminated the use of the backyard with just, in my opinion, a very narrow passageway between the two buildings, five feet. Um, really doesn't create much opportunity for light and air. Did you consider other placements of the ADU um, in the rear yard that would have allowed for more light to come into the rear of the main building, use of the backyard um, by families that live? I mean, I'm just thinking of future families that live there with children um, and the small deck uh, 
on the second floor is not really a great play space for kids. It doesn't really substitute for a rear yard. And of course, we're trading off our desperate need for housing, you know, against rear yards. And I get that. And it's a state ADU anyway, so we don't have much say in the matter. But I am curious if there were other configurations that you explored that would have allowed preservation of some kind of space in the backyard that was usable. Yeah, I'm happy to talk through some of the constraints that the, are unique to the project that mm -hmm. that con controlled us here. As I mentioned, we have the um, access easement on the south, which limited the, the locations that we could put right. the and building in. And that's a seven-foot-wide easement, is that right? Um, I don't know if there's a dimension associated with it, but there maybe legally in the title amendment is, but basically it's for the emergency access. access. Yeah. Hi, John Strickland. It's a 44-inch easement, uh, and so we tried to create proper space. Uh, so I believe we have it four feet at this point, which is the state uh, the state code off it. So those those figures ended up working. So maybe to quickly answer, what we we did look at additional options, and it had to do with that balance of of trying to meet the request for creating more density and adding the ADU. Um, while at the same time uh, not removing family housing uh, uh, option. And um, I think the end result, you know, when, when we look at on a plan, I think uh, it does look a little bit uh, too close, um, uh, but uh, we, have to, we have to create some sort of a trade-off uh, in order to provide uh, as dense housing as we can. Right, and where did the request to add the ADU come from? You keep using the third person, and I'm uh, curious whether yeah. that was a, city, a planning department request. Sure, I'm happy to chime in. So their original proposal that was initially published in your packets was for a two-unit building, maximizing the principally permitted density. Yeah. We received some feedback from commissioners um, to further densify via the addition of an ADU. So they sort of scrambled at the 11th hour to figure out a way to add an additional ADU um, in order to get that extra bit of density here. Um, and through their various uh, iterations, this was the only way that they could configure it through the state ADU program. Um, so again, their original proposal was for a two-unit building. And um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my understanding is that's their preferred alternative, but they're happy to oblige and provide this if that's what it takes to approve the project. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm teeing up the issue just because it's a real policy trade-off for us as commissioners. You know, on one hand, we absolutely want more housing in any way we can increase density, especially on the west side. You know, I think I've heard Commissioner Kopp will call it gentle increases in density is obviously a good thing. On the other hand, I worry that we are creating housing that while it looks like it's appropriate for families because it has two bedrooms, really doesn't meet the needs of families, at least with small children. Um, and I just want to tee it up so we can all weigh in on that. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. Or Commissioner Diamond. Commissioner Moore, did you want to speak? I think this is exactly why the questions were asked to really help this commission to seriously start talking about where is, where is densification appropriate and where not. Uh, it is a question that this particular lot is 29 feet by 91.7 inches, slightly shorter than the typical 25 by 100 lot that we have. And the question arose that we are still parking three cars. And whenever we park three cars, we're starting to reduce parking in order to accommodate uh, 
a smaller unit. Mm -hmm. What struck me in this particular case is that both units are two-story units, and you could question the appropriateness of uh, family housing in stacked units to start with because of stairs, et cetera, et cetera, particularly when the children are small. But I was really looking for the commission to start debating it as a larger policy question. This is almost just teeing off the discussion, and I would agree with you. Um, the, the dimensions state uh, about the state ADU are creating some very tight, tight situations. I don't find them unlivable because they meet the standards of what is allowed, and that is basically where we need to start. We have standards, we have created what people are considering collectively as a livability and air and, and, air and light sufficient standards, so this is a compliant project. And then you get back and saying, okay, why are we giving so much room for cars when the issue is really housing and space occupied by people? Uh, uh, I'm interested in the discussion, uh, and I think it is very interesting that you were able to uh, create a code-compliant resolution, which I am in support of. Uh, and uh, I think we, are, we together need to take this much further because we either create a new subs subset of standards, or we subscribe and support the standards and ask the department to be more aggressive and more creative in applying these standards. That is really uh, the question. I'm just leaving it here without giving the answer. I support what's in front of me and uh, find a solution um, acceptable. The one thing I would like to add, though, is that the discussion about the earthquake shack, which came up yesterday, may require a slightly larger investigation. I briefly glanced over the letter. In the department, there are experts who potentially could take this a little bit further because there is a historic preservation obligation that I would like the department themselves to sort out. Uh, as to whether or not the person who was mentioned in the letter is available, I don't have any idea. Uh, uh, so uh, perhaps uh, Ms. Wadi could speak to that. Absolutely, yes. So in fact, um, our department's expert on earthquake shacks has personally looked into this matter. For a little bit of context, um, in November of 2021, the department issued a context, historic context statement on earthquake shacks authored by Melanie Bishop in our office um, that was adopted by the Historic Preservation Commission. As part of her authoring of this document, in addition to primary research that she did, she also took into account um, research that was done maybe a decade ago by Mr. Corette, who's the Moses who's referenced in this letter. Moses hasn't been working on items like this for probably the last decade or so, but certainly as part of Melanie's work in authoring the context statement, she incorporated that research, did additional primary research, a ton of site visits. Long story short, the Historic Preservation Commission adopted that context statement. So I would say she is absolutely our foremost expert on earthquake shacks, um, both in the department, but I would argue, you know, potentially within the country on this topic. Um, we've done multiple site visits to confirm, um, including following receipt of this letter to double check a few additional items. So we have 100% confidence at this point that this is not an earthquake check. Okay, thank you. Did you wanna add anything? Yeah, thank you, uh, President Tanner. Tara Sullivan, Ruben, Janice, and Rose. Um, I also wanna just note uh, legality. The project sponsor did file an SB 330 application when they submitted their application. And under the state law, um, it says that a determination as to whether a parcel or of property is historic site shall remain valid during the pendency of the development project. The 
project sponsor did submit the information for a CEQA determination. Um, it was went through several iterations of review. We were asked to and did provide an addenda for this property. It was decided in May that the building was not a historic resource. So that does stick with the project due to the SB 330 determination. Thank you, Ms. Sullivan. Thank you. So we have crossed all I's and T's regarding that matter. So yeah, I think we've I'm, I'm glad that we can at least bring that to the record today because uh, if people are listening and not hear this, I think we would be standing exposed. Uh, Absolutely. Again, I am in full support what's in front of me and uh, uh, make a motion to approve. Okay. I want to make some comments. Um, I think this is a good discussion to have around kind of, I think there's two dimensions. One is what do we want to see as conditional youth author authorizations here at the commission? Obviously members of the public can, can pull things from consent at any time and so that's part of the process which we have. I think if we are going to be making good on our housing element, we will need to have more items that either we remove, and really the board removes conditional use requirements from certain projects, and or this body deems them worthy of being on the consent agenda. Um, I think this should have remained on consent. I do not support the ADU, and, and I, I should say, you know, if, if the if the commission uh, majority wants to have the ADU in the backyard, I'm not going to, I think it'll be fine, it's great. I think it does highlight the conflict that we are seeing between one, maintaining our rear yard, adding additional density, and I think there is a discussion that we should agendize for earlier in the new year after the housing element hopefully passes um, and is adopted around what we want to see on, con on consent here and then kind of relation to what does maximizing density mean to this body. Is maximizing den density the code density or do we add state um, programs to that, so is an ADU expected? If you can have an ADU, do we expect a project to have an ADU in order to be on consent even with the CU required? I think in this case it highlights the trade-off, which is, you know, ADUs come in all shapes and sizes. This is a rear yard ADU, very um, modest in size, but again, that's in part because of the irregularities of the lot itself and then the requirements for the setbacks. And my understanding also, Ms. Wadi, if I understand correctly, part of having a state code compliant ADU would be that the entire building, if it were located within the building, the entire building would need to be set four feet off the property line. Is that accurate? Where the ADU is located, um, which, you know, I think the intent of a lot of these state ADU laws were presuming that it's a rear yard detached structure behind a primary building in the front. So I don't think it really considered a situation like San Francisco where you've got zero lot lines, but it would require if it was at the back of a building, the front building, that that ground floor area be set back four feet all the way around on the on the two sides. So. Which would mean it'd have to be, I guess, on the side where the passageway is already located. So there's some potential there. I mean, there is three car parking here, but again, it's a two unit building. I don't think three cars is, I don't think it's particularly a lot of cars, I guess, mm -hmm. considering the number of bedrooms that are here, um, it doesn't seem to be an uh, overly intense amount of parking. So I think the ADU in this case is reducing the desirability of the project. That said, you know, three units, more than two. So I can support it uh, that way as well. So we do have a motion that seems like it's been seconded to include the ADU, and I will invite other commissioners, though, if they see policy issues they'd like to have addressed later on um, or that are relevant here. I think it's good to get those on the table so we can bring that for discussion later. I see Commissioner Diamond. Do I understand correctly from the project sponsor that you would prefer not to have the state ADU? You're doing this because you think you need to in order to get our approval, that the staff is telling you that that's what the commission wants you to do? I'm fine building housing in San Francisco. Thank you. 
and I enjoy building housing in San Francisco. Um, I anticipate when I am uh, without children in my house, I might live in a place this size because I don't require much. Uh, so I'm fine building an ADU in the backyard. Good so, so I am uncomfortable with how we're approaching this issue. It feels like a one-off where we're saying in order to get our approval, you know, to demolish a house, you know, a small house and build, you know, two units, you have to have, you have to include a third. Um, and I just think we should decide as a policy matter, because this is going to come up, how we handle it, and not do it on a one-off basis with this particular project. If they wanted to build an ADU, it's fine by me. The state allows them to do it. But to tell them they have to build an ADU to get our approval before we've considered as a policy matter how we're going to apply this rule going forward just doesn't feel comfortable to me. So. I would not be in support of a motion that required the ADU. I think it's fine to have the option to build the ADU, but I would not want to require them to build Thank the you. ADU. Thank you. I'm going to call on uh, Director Hillis. I think you may want to respond, and then to you, Commissioner Moore. I just wanted to remind you, back when we had conversations about the fourplex, you know, Supervisor Mandelman's and then Supervisor Safai's fourplex bills, you know, one of our recommendations was remove the CU requirement if it's not a historic building. There weren't tenants, but you would want to, you, we would want to see uh, the sponsor maximize density. And we had some debate as to what maximizing density is. And I think we landed on it being a project that complied with the zoning, not necessarily also adding an ADU. But if there was an ability to add an ADU, you know, we would we would look at that. But uh, but I agree, it's it's a good discussion. I think we need to have, especially as we're looking in the R districts, to, to add density. Thank you, Dr. Hillis. Commissioner Moore? The thing I most appreciate is the response of the applicant, because that's exactly the type of trigger I want to instill in people. These are large units. They are family units. They do need three cars. How are we going to densify the city so that, all, that everybody who wants to remain in the city can find a spot? For in, for in my eyes, it is not only building excessively tall buildings, particularly when we are expecting families to live in them, but to take a reasonable lot with a reasonably sized two units and add a very small, very modest small building to, to have one person live there, I think is a perfect, perfect uh, solution. I do very much appreciate the exemplary response you gave. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Koppel? Uh, I do see the, the bigger picture here. I mean, we, we heard a, you know, an informational um, item about Stonestown the other, the other, a couple weeks ago, and that's where I see the real potential to be knocking out some high quantity units when we have all that space, as opposed to, it seems like nickel and diming, you know, just these, these one-offs, even though it is an extra unit, I still think what's in the best interest of all of us, the residents, and just every every you know person who lives in the city is is taking more advantage of those opportunity sites and really maximizing the density there. Thank you, Commissioner Braun. I think that the uh, regardless of kind of how we got to this point, the fact that there is an ADU that's now in the sponsor's proposal um, makes me um, pretty supportive of including that ADU. Uh, I, I'm hearing this broader conversation that we need to have about, you know, implications for maximizing density on these smaller sites. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, but at the same time, I also think that 
um, as part of that conversation, we, as we do have it, we have to also think about um, what it means in terms of just making sure that we have robust parks and public amenities uh, if we are going to be losing this really private open space uh, in favor of adding additional housing for folks. Um, the five feet setback between the five foot distance between the ADU and the front building is, it is pretty tight, but I can say as somebody going going home today to a rear yard unit, um, it's, it's not an excessively uh, small area. It does, uh, I think it does work. So um, I'm, I'm supportive of the proposal as it's proposed right now, but I do think, yes, let's have this conversation. Let's keep going. Great. Commissioner Imperial? Yeah, I think um, in terms of the idea of, or the discussion of density, I tried to look back or all of the discussions we've had in the housing element. And if we're trying to, you know, try to look back in all of the discussions with the housing element and then compare to this particular project, um, the discussions we've had in housing element are regarding in terms of the livable spaces. And I remember we've had a lot of this, or questions to, in terms of the architects, what is the livable size unit? And when we talk about that, we don't necessarily talk about parking. Um, although, and then we've also had discussions in terms of the real estate um, marketability too of the family units. And we've heard that parking actually attracts families. Um, so we are actually also in, in the pickle in, in the city as well in terms of what are the needs of the families is also the goals of the densification of the city as well. And so here we are, but at the same time we have this policy that I I personally support in terms of the, of um, you know transit, um, supporting the transit mobility. And really it's a way of, we're pretty much changing the culture of the of how we perceive um, cities and also families living in the cities. Um, you know, cars is a very integral part of family. Um, so it is, I do see this as a more dynamic, evolving, um, and as of now, I do support this project. But I do hope that when we look into the, um, to these fourplex units as, you know, um, as they are going to be part of this city, is that we're looking to the livable units and we're supporting really the goal of the transit goals, the, the space, the, you know, for the open space as well. When I look into this, um, to this project, again, in terms of the balcony size, the balcony is pretty small. Um, so I, you know, but I do appreciate the units, I mean, the sizes of the bedrooms in itself. Um, in terms of the ADU, I think it's okay in this location as well. Um, so in general, I'm supportive of this um, project, but I think when we just start discussing about densification in the west side, I really think we're really honing in the policy of our housing element because I thought I think we have a good at least um, you know policies or standards we're trying to put in there. So. I think very well summarized some of the issues that we'll want to deal with um, as we talk about. And I think about this project, a couple other projects that could be good um, examples to take up and look at the design and the layout and, you know, can continue to think about design guidelines for fourplexes and other kind of smaller scale density that we're going to hopefully be seeing and provide some better guidance as a department on what we want to see um, in the packet, what we want to see design wise. Um, just, I want to veer off this discussion really quickly just to ask Mr. Strickland, you heard the neighbors talk about concerns about the foundation. Could you describe if you had a chance to talk with them all yet or if you would be able to talk with them about any other concerns about construction? 
Yeah, so I, I was going to talk to them after after this meeting as well. Um, uh, and, and we will sit down together and I'll go over our structure. Um, you know, we, I've, I've built buildings in the city on the zero lot line conditions often. And uh, um, I will follow all all rules, regulations, and care um, in order to make sure that, that those concerns are, are addressed. Great. Um, so thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Commissioner Diamond. Question for Mr. Strickland. <laughs> the way I read this motion, you have to build the ADU if, if you want to build the rest of the project as currently written. Do you want it approved that way or do you want an option to build it? I want the project approved so I could move uh, forward. Um, I am I am fine with the ADU. You know, the more, even though it's been a, been a fast uh, figuring out the placement and such, um, uh, every every one of you have said something that's incredibly valuable, and I would love to just go out one on one and talk to you about it <laughs> because there's, there's so Come many back. good. We'll be no, having so, more hearings. So Come many so many us. good points and so many concerns, and I've been. Uh, uh, living this this life of building housing in the city for a long time, um, but yes, as of right now, I would love to have it approved because I don't. Uh, I think it's it's the right thing to be able to move forward on building housing. Okay, so I am very reluctant to disapprove a project for housing. Um, um, I I would have approved the project without the ADU. I'm putting I'm Thank telling you, you that. Um, and maybe four of us would have. I, I don't know. You you know that's a possibility. But I also don't want to send you away without an approval because we can't get to four today. So I, I'm being very blunt and honest about sort of the situation and, we're in here and asking you what you want. And, and, and Commissioner, I think this is going to be really cool. It's something I haven't done before. I'm I'm actually quite excited about uh, being building something successful here. It's going to be it's going to be a neat project. Thank you, Mr. Strickland. You are a model of diplomacy. That's right. Um, <laughs> oh. And I think my fellow commissioners have persuaded me that despite some of my concerns about the trade-off, really it's between the rear yard space and having an additional unit. The additional unit is winning, and Mr. Strickland's um, desire to move forward and his yeah. confidence that it can still be a good project uh, with his experience in the city. So I'm prepared to support the motion that's been made. Yes, I just message to staff please don't use this as a precedent for how you get you know adus going forward i think i would much have preferred that this come to us with almost two options to say this is the project they wanted they could add an adu we'd love to encourage them to add an adu but until we adopt a policy that says in return for a demolition on this size lot I don't like being put in this very awkward position um, where, you know, fortunately we have the model of diplomacy out there who is happy to build it. So, you know, I too will support it, but I, I, I'm hoping that it doesn't arise this way, that in fact we just have a fulsome discussion on how to deal with these going forward. Anyway. Indeed. Commissioner Moore. Just for historic reference, we had hundreds of projects with fake ADUs in front of us which were so substandard and so deplorable that this commission did not have the proper metrics to understand that those ADUs were not approvable. And so I want to not make it sound as if he twisted his arm, but I want to acknowledge an exemplary attitude that you are displaying here in front of the rest of the city of San Francisco for somebody who says, yes, I'm going to roll up my, my sleeves and do two good buildings. 
because the way your architect described the height of the building, its relationships in terms of parapet meeting, the sill level of the adjoining unit, all of those are just the right subtle moves by which, the, by which this can succeed. Absolutely. So, but I encourage for this commission to really take the challenge, really take the challenge. So when we have scam ADUs, of which we have many, they're all over, that we say no. Uh, and that is a harder task. So together with the department, I think we all roll up, roll up our sleeves together to take the next step into livable ADUs and to with the benefit to all. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I guess I would just point out, I mean, this ADU is much smaller than many of the ones that I'm assuming you're referring to as scams. It's just detached. And so it's as much of a scam as any of the ADUs in, in, in terms of livability. It has great light and air because it's detached. But if this same amount of space was in the building, you know, how would we have it be, it would be, it would be as suspect as any of the ones that you're casting dispersion on, in my opinion. With that said, I don't see any other commissioner hands. I think we're ready to vote. Very good, commissioners. There is a motion that has been seconded to approve this matter with conditions on that motion. Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Koppel? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So move, commissioners, a motion passes unanimously six to zero and concludes your hearing today. All right, we are adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.